0: He did a great job. I'm trying to embarrass him a little bit. Um, so we're going to be kicking off our series this morning on the fruit of the Spirit. I'm excited about it. I, um, I've been thinking a lot about it, what it is and what it means to be a disciple. Um, but can we just open up in prayer? Father, we are so grateful for who you are. Jesus, no matter what we do or what we bring, you're so good. Father, if we bring the worst or we bring the best, Father... You're just a wonderful God. Lord, I thank you for this time that we've had just to set aside to acknowledge you this morning. I thank you that your presence is here with us, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and our eyes and our ears to hear and see what you're saying this morning, Father. Lord, I pray that your people would be encouraged this morning. Lord, we just commit this time to you, Father, and let, let your words speak this morning. In your mighty, mighty name, amen. So I, I can't claim to have done anything too special for Valentine's Day yesterday either. But Angie and I went and saw the movie Selma. A really powerful movie. It's about the civil rights movement. It follows Martin Luther King Jr.'s, um, one of the more, more significant um, you know, things that he did. It wasn't a very romantic movie, though. So I, I guess I failed in that regard. Um, but I wanted to start off this morning by reading the passage, Galatians 5.22, The Fruits of the Spirit. So it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So first up in the lineup this morning, we have love. Now there's, there's a plethora of things that one can discuss when it comes to love. Um, yesterday, a whole day was set aside for people to just celebrate love in Valentine's Day. And I was thinking about it, when you have a God that is love, it's almost like you have to, in 25, 30 minutes, summarize and quantify who God is. So I'm not going to try and do that. But what I am going to try and do, hopefully, in the next 25 minutes, is take a step back and what I hope we can do for each of the fruit as it comes along, to reflect and examine and think about what the fruit of love is in your own life. It can be so easy to have love become something that's out there, but I want want us to look at it in our own lives. And specifically, in particular, how are you loving those people that you're around every single day? Um, I was reading um, screw tape letters recently, and C.S. Lewis talks about one of the dangers of the human condition. He talks about how easy it is. He's specifically referencing someone that's going through World War II. And this guy that he's talking about has all this hatred and malice and fear and rage against the enemy who was coming against England at the time. And yet he has also at the same time, he has these feelings of compassion, of love for his fellow man and patriotism and thinking, hey, we're going to get through this. But he said the human condition is so easily to slip into this. All those feelings of love that you have go out to the wider circumference where they're not helping or assisting anyone You're just, you feel like you're loving and you're just, oh, I wish my mankind this better thing. And yet all those feelings of rage and anger and malice tend to be directed towards the people that you love the most. And so I thought that was so fitting, even just as we're looking at this, that I hope that when we're looking at a topic like love and the fruit of love in our own lives, it's not just that we know that we love people, that we hear about Christians that are suffering and we feel such compassion for them, and yet... We don't examine the fruit of love in our own lives between our spouses, between our children, between our co-workers, and we're irritable and, and things like that that doesn't go checked um, to a certain degree. So my hope is that we could look at that. We're also going to look at some examples of love in the Bible and also touch on the reason of why we love. John four sixteen says this, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And then 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. I want to tell you a quick story about my mom. I told her I was going to tell it, so it's, she's already in the know. But there was never one time, I mean, I, don't, I can't even recall one time, that I, would have, I told her about when I was growing up, when somebody had given me a hard time or I'd gotten some unkind comments or actions from my peers or anything like that. And I'll tell you why I didn't tell her. Because I I believe in my heart, and I still believe in to this day, that she would go for them hook, line, and sinker. I mean, you wouldn't be able to stop her. I knew that she had absolutely no fear when it came to her kids being in trouble, no matter what was in the way. Can you put up the next slide for me? It doesn't matter if it's that guy right there. It could be a 6'5", 300-pound American football player, and she would have taken him down. I believe she would have given her all in protecting her loved ones. Hence why I never told her anything. Because I truly believe that one day I would go to school, it would be lunchtime. You know how there would be big fights in the middle of the field? And you'd see all these kids gathered around. I'd walk over and I'd see my mom in the middle of there fighting one of my peers. I really believe this. So I I didn't go anywhere near telling her about it. And I think she would have won too. I don't know. I would have put my money on her. She loved her kids so much that she had no fear of any circumstance when it came to protecting them. 1 John 4:18 says it this way, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. I think I could begin to understand this verse a little bit as I saw the lack of fear in my mom when powered by her love for us. I think as CS Lewis suggested, one of the major hurdles to loving is fear. It can be fear of inadequacy, it can be fear of rejection. It can be fear of, I don't know, if, this is, if th- is this going to last forever? It can be a lot of things. But there is no fear in love. I would hope that this morning we can take some time to exchange any fear that we might have for love. And as we're going through each of these weeks, I would also hope that the, even the title of the series can, can kind of ponder in your mind, Am I Fruitful or Fruitless? As we're on this journey of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, go and make disciples. I would suggest that this passage in Galatians is a litmus test to see how we are doing and what a disciple looks like. John 15, 8 says this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. We want to look at how we can sow, how we can grow, how we can cultivate and enjoy the fruit in our lives and the lives of others, from love to patience, from joy to self-control. That last one's not as fun. The journey we're on is to pursue becoming disciples of Jesus in our community, in our church, in our families' lives, in our own personal lives. My hope is that we're going to start looking at what are the right seeds that we're sowing. Or maybe the question is, what do we need to get rid of or thresh out of our lives to see the fruit that we want yielded? The Christian author of the, uh, the book, Blue Like Jazz, Donald Miller, um, some Hollywood producers found out about his story and they wanted to make a movie about it. And so they came and they spent some time with him and they spent, they spent a couple days with him just getting his story. Day after day, they'd write it down. And so at the end of it, they gave him a script of his story and he read it and he said, this has nothing to do with my life whatsoever. And he asked them, why did you change it so drastically? And they said, your story is way too boring. We can't bring that to any kind of movie. We had to spice it up in a major way. They said the reason why we're not going to do it is because any major story needs conflict. And you don't have enough conflict. So I think he went from having had one girlfriend to six. And they just they went through his life and they changed it all. And they said the more conflict, the better. Now, if that is the case, the book of Ruth has to be one of the better stories ever told. It doesn't set you up with any nice intros and give you some character development as you walk in. By verse 5... Three out of the four original starting characters are already dead. Only the mother of the family, Naomi, is left, having been forced by famine from her country, her home, and everything she knew. She's now left with no husband and no children. She's so downtrodden that she declares she doesn't want to be called Naomi Naomi anymore, which means pleasantness, but she wants to be called Mara, which means bitter. I think the majority of us have gone through times when we can identify with that, that we're in a place where we have nothing to give and nothing to offer. At least we feel that way. But Ruth's response right here is so powerful. She shows shows such an amazing picture of love. She says, so Ruth 1 verse 16, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. How many of you could say that to your mother-in-law? We see such a powerful example here of how the fruit of the Spirit works. If you sow seeds from an apple tree, you're probably going to get apples. It's going to be really hard to get oranges. The fruit of the Spirit works in the same way. From the very beginning, God set this principle up of sowing and reaping. So from Genesis 1-11, it reads, And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on earth. Fruit are the means by which plants disseminate their seeds. We have to be in contact with other fruit for their seeds to be deposited in us. We need to be aware of mentors and teachers that can sow into us and can train us. Not any of the fruit is going to grow in you by willing it to grow Or trying harder in and of ourselves. But as we learn through each experience that comes. Our way will then see the fruit blossom and come to life. I was talking with Andre Muller about this very topic this past week. And he was sharing a story about a friend that's um, learning fly fishing. And he said his friend can't learn fly fishing through a book or through a how-to DVD or, or just wishing that he was a better fly fisher. But he went down to the South Island and he spent time with a master of fly fishing. And he said the only way to master, there's a special flick of the wrist or something like that. Um, he said the only way to master that is to spend hours just watching and spending time with the person that had already mastered that. That is the way that it produces growth. We also see this principle in the story of Ruth. Naomi had obviously loved her daughters very, very well. She had sowed the seeds of love, evidenced by the fact that her daughters-in-law wept when they were going to be parted. Naomi had sown and taught Ruth how to love, and the seeds found in that fruit were coming to blossom in Ruth as she now returned that love in a most powerful way. The love that we experience in either giving or receiving is always an opportunity to point back towards Jesus. We love because he first loved us. All love is analogous of the love that Jesus has for us. The picture of a father's love for his daughter. The love of a bride and a bridegroom. The love of a friend. This is a love story not just between Ruth and Boaz. This is so often quoted or or strung out. But this is a wonderful story of love between Ruth and Naomi that illustrates the power of where the fruit of love comes from. Love begets more love. And even looking at the principle of sowing and reaping a little bit closer, you'll see that the fruit of love between Naomi and Ruth begot the love that eventuated between Boaz and Ruth. If we want to reap a harvest of love, we want to start sowing some of those seeds of love. If you see an area of your life that is missing some love, maybe a relationship with a parent or a child, maybe a spouse or a coworker, look to start sowing some love into that situation. Unfortunately, the same thing happens with the opposite of love being fear. That if you sow seeds of fear, you're also going to reap that same crop. So Ruth is now the one who's left everything behind. She's going ahead only with the love that she has for her mother-in-law. So this brings up our second major point. Love is sacrificial. Ruth gave up all she had known to stay with her mother-in-law. Loving, love is willing to give up all for another. First Corinthians 13.5 says, love does not insist on its own way. Angie and I celebrated our sixth wedding anniversary last month, um, and I kind of gave her a hard time and said I wanted to take her to McDonald's. Um, and, and people around the office know that I have a propensity for fast food places, so Angie even believed me when I said it. And I know she loves me because she didn't, you know, get worked up or anything. She said, okay. I said, we can save some money. Um, it can be really low-key. But I love her as well, so I I went and scheduled, um, if you throw up the next slide for me, we went to the hippopotamus, um, and to eat at the hippopotamus, you have to navigate at least three or four different forks, and you also have to speak in a British accent before they let you in. It's one of those kind of restaurants, and I love her so much that I even ate fish, and I'm not a seafood uh, lover, so I ate raw fish that they served, it was like one of these in-between like palate cleansers, it ruined my palate, I don't know what they were talking about. Um, but we went out there and we had a lovely time. Love does not insist on its own way. Now, I understand that Ruth gave up much more than I did. Um, but it still gives you, hopefully, a, a clear picture of what it was. The Greek, the Greek word for this kind of love is agape. The act of love of God for his son and his people. The essence of agape love is found in our ever-quoted John 3.16. The ultimate sacrifice made for you and I at Calvary when God offer, offered up his son Jesus to take the penalty that you and I deserved. We get so moved when we hear a story or we see a sacrifice made. There are so many amazing stories that truly touch us because at the core of love is sacrifice. I think about this from Naomi's perspective, how valuable it must have been. Someone that's calling themselves bitter, that feels they have nothing, and yet Ruth was with her and would not be parted from her. Ruth reaped a bountiful harvest of seeds of love that she herself had sowed to Naomi, as her love and kindness that she had sown was made known to many. So the act of Ruth's love for her mother-in-law opened up the doors to find favor and then love with Boaz. Also at the heart of love is redemption. And God is in the business of redeeming. Ruth and Naomi went from having absolutely nothing until the Redeemer came along. Ruth 220 says it's referencing Boaz here. He is one of our redeemers. Boaz was able to step in as the redeemer and claim for them the inheritance that would have been theirs had they not lost their husbands. This points once again to the ultimate love story that you and I are a part of. We had nothing, but there is good news. There is a redeemer who has an inheritance waiting for us. God is our redeemer in the person of Jesus Christ through his sacrifice. I would like just to invite the band up again. We're going to be wrapping up very shortly. It is so important for us as disciples to examine our fruit. John fifteen eight. one more time, time says this, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Photosynthesis is the process by which plants and trees and fruit trees grow. Photo means light, and synthesis means putting together. So, photosynthesis literally means light, putting things together. I love what this illustrates. We're the plant, we're the fruit tree. We, we, don't, we don't grow fruit by trying harder or wanting to be more loving, but it's literally just letting the light have its way with us. The light is the thing that puts things together. We can't grow the fruit in and of ourselves, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It is our job to know what he's working on in us, and our role is to comply with him on what he's working on in us. Our story is always part of a bigger story. Ruth and Boaz were great-grandparents to David, out of the line of which Jesus eventually came. Our story is also part of the story as we're all sons and daughters of the king, and we can love because he first loved us. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says it so poetically. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. I hope this morning that we can take time. Love isn't something that we can talk about forever. It's something that we need to challenge ourselves to go and examine what we're doing in our fruit. So this morning, I pray that as we sing this song, Amazing Love, one more time, that you can just spend some time exchanging any fear for love, thinking about the things that God has put on your heart and hopefully challenged you with, that we start looking at our fruit with the people that we see every day. So as you sing with this, feel free to just ponder on that as well. Bless you guys.